Hello and welcome to the All Things Leadership Podcast, where we bring together accomplished experts to share their diverse perspectives, compelling stories, and insightful lessons on effective leadership and personal growth. So whether you're a seasoned executive, navigating the corporate world, or an emerging leader on the rise, this podcast is your go-to resource for valuable takeaways to fuel your success along your leadership journey. I have with me a very special guest, uh, Mr. Russell Harvey, who joins us from the UK to talk to us about VUCA and resilience. Russell has over 20 years in the leadership development and uh, coaching space, and we're going to have a really good conversation about how you can use VUCA or what lessons you can learn from resilience as you build your leadership journey. Russell, welcome to the All Things Leadership podcast today. Thank you, Fred. It's brilliant to be here. Uh, thanks for the introduction and hello to everybody that's uh, listening. Yeah, looking that's forward to right. seeing where our conversation goes. That's right. It's going to be a fun one and I'm looking forward to it. Russell, tell, tell us a little bit about your background and what, what you've done over the years and, and why you, you happen to be working in the space. Yeah, so um, pretty much, yes, most of my career has been in the, the learning leadership organizational development space. So Today, in 2024, and probably for the last uh, couple of years, I just describe myself as a, a facilitator and a coach. It's it's essentially it's who I am. Very nicely got a bit of feedback from a mate one time to say, look, you, you just, yeah, you're you all the time. You, it's Russell, it's a coach. That's who you are, which is very nice uh, to hear. Um, and I've specialised probably the last 14 years around this word resilience. Hence, the company is the resilience coach, not any old resilience coach, the resilience coach. And that has also meant that another an acronym of VUCA also gets, you know, utilized in the things that I talk about. So I absolutely my intention when working with all clients is is really trying to get them to reconnect with um, what resilience means to them. And I always define resilience as springing forward with learning. So that's what I would like the people that I support to to get their head around and get their heart around, springing forward with learning. And what does that mean to them so that they can actually be truly resilient? I get a bit concerned that at times people believe that uh, if they're just coping and surviving or just hanging on all of the time, that they believe they're being resilient. And it's about how can we um, predominantly shift people into a really good place, i.e. thriving, even though there might be a lot of things that are going on in their lives, but they can genuinely turn around and sort of go, no, but I, I'm good. It's like there's a lot going on, and I'm genuinely, I'm in a good place. I love that. Springing forward to learning, as we were chatting earlier, Russell, before we started taping here, I consider myself as a, a lifelong um, learner, mm. learning enthusiast, because I realize that learning is one of those things that never ends, right? I mean, regardless of how old you are or how many degrees you have or how books you've read, uh, learning really never ends. It's an ever-changing, ever-continuing dynamic um, of life. Why does resilience, and we've heard about resilience in life and you know having fortitude, overcoming adversity and all of that, which we get. Why is springing forward to learning or this, this whole thing about resilience important in your field of leadership and personal development? Um, so it's for me, um, so resilience is about the human condition. So, you know, the heart of resilience is our attitude. It's also about our beliefs. It's about our value system. So that's something that's often talked about in the leadership space. You need to get your um, one of the dimensions of being resilient is having a purpose. 
So it's like, it's really good to connect with leaders and ask them the question of like, you know, what's your life purpose? And actually, what's your leadership purpose, essentially? And a lot of the time, my clients sort of do look at me quizzically and go, hmm, oh, right. So anybody that's listening now, it's a case of, can you reasonably easily state write down, you know, what either your life's purpose or your leadership purpose is. And if you can't, there's a massive opportunity there to create one for yourself. Uh, and actually, then that will drive you and motivate you and energize you and engage you. Um, and yeah, the, the, word, the reason that resilience is really relevant to me is before um, I set up the resilience coach, I'd worked in uh, corporate and public, private, mutual sectors. And the last business that I worked for, uh, as a leadership coach, he just he got itself into a serious set of difficulties, you know, and all of the internal clients I was supporting were coming to me with their head in their hands going, what on earth do we do? And I said, well, there's this an acronym called VUCA and there's this word resilience and our solutions are in there. Our way forward, our feeling better about this, uh, a route to optimism, it, it's all in there. And then when I left that role and set up by myself and did the navel gazing of like, hmm, what's my USP? What's my business company called? It went, you know what? What I've been doing the last few years is the resilience. So I am the resilience coach and it just connected with me, essentially. It's who I am. I love that you you talked about finding or answering that question about leadership purpose, and I I find that intriguing because mm. many folks happen to find themselves in leadership, right? And in some of the corporate places Absolutely. where I work, you know, you find someone oh because they're good at numbers, they because they're good individual contributors, they, they make them leaders, and then they get into the realm of leadership and realize, oh, I wasn't prepared for this. How do I do this, right? And that has been one of the problems that I've, I'm, I've been seeking to solve, which is what led me into, you know, becoming a leadership mm -hmm. development coach myself to ensure that we're equipping leaders or people um, with the tools and resources they need. So when they get into those leadership roles, they're ready, right? And not having to go back and, you know, how do I, you know, learn how to communicate? How do I learn to do with my, deal with my teams and all that? So I find that in some cases, people are doing it backwards. And your goal, my goal, our purpose is to... Mm -hmm help people get it right right get prepared get ready so when you find yourself in that leadership position you don't find yourself uh wanting it's it's often a, a head scratcher but going back to that leadership purpose why is it important russell to for us to answer that question what is your leadership purpose why shouldn't we just just go with it and wing it and, and just and just and just try and fill why, why should we seek to answer that question so it's i suppose it's from personal experience so um there are, so I always talk about um, the resilience uh, wheel. If anybody asks me the question, how do I build my team on resilience? I go, look, there's this wheel thing, which um, I have that I utilize with clients. And as I've said, one of the dimensions of it is having a purpose. So my personal purpose is that by the year 2025, I want to positively affect 100,000 people. Right. And right now I'm up to about 44,212-ish, you know? And positively affect is that when uh, as much as possible, people will engage with me, they learn something. OK, so to, um, I'm leading up to answering your question more properly. So uh, I ha now have this purpose that um, gets me out of bed every day, helps with all of my decision making, helps me feel good about myself, helps me understand actually what it is that makes me tick and what drives me, what motivates me. So every single time that somebody is 
positively affected by me. I can see that actually they've learned something. They've got an, an aha moment, a light bulb moment, or a realization moment. It like it, it, you know, it gives me a warm and fuzzy feeling in my heart and my gut. And I go, actually, do you know what? That's been worthwhile. I've I've done something to support somebody. So that meets my value system. But it helps me um make great decisions about the clients I do and I don't support. And and so it helps me understand what I say yes to and what I say no to in work and in life. And it also helps me understand actually how I need to be and how I need to look after myself to be able to do all those things. So I feel energized significant amounts of the time because I am living to a purpose. So hopefully that answers the question. If, if people are being a leader, going back to your comment of like still, you know, huge swathes, tens, millions, even billions of people fall into line management slash leadership I, I just know over the decades i've been supporting line managers and leaders it, when they do connect with a purpose around their leadership they find it an awful lot easier and nicer and enjoyable and pleasant and so does everybody around them and you know they meet their targets and their kpis and their statistics that they're supposed to meet they find them uh slightly easier to do or they actually understand actually the way in which they can achieve this and a huge part of the purpose is in getting people to understand what their strengths are yeah. so that and, and so we'll talk i'm sure about more about that later but i hope that answers the question i know it does it does it yeah. does and i love that because oftentimes answering that purpose question is, is is general right what's your life purpose and so we tend to know you know what's your life purpose it's to be this but i haven't quite heard it um the way you explained it um which it's brilliant by the way uh tied tied to leadership I, I i agree with you russell 100 that you know when you when you tie that purpose to leadership you become a more effective leader you're able to make more impact right significantly like like you rightly said so absolutely spot on there Let's talk about <laughs> VUCA, um, V-U-C-A. And I'll admit that it's interesting that VUCA had been around since 1987. I didn't, I didn't even realize that until I heard yeah. about it a couple of years ago through a, a training or a workshop we're having at work. Mm. Presenter came in and started talking about VUCA, and I thought that was something they coined, but I realized this has been something mm. that's been around um, for about two decades or, or close to three. Uh, but I think it's become more popular given you know what we've had to go through over the past couple yes. of years of the pandemic and all of that but let's let's talk about VUCA first of all what does VUCA mean what does it stand for yes so um the world we live in is volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous mm -hmm. nicely there's also VUCA prime which is like uh goes alongside it is like a counteraction to it to deal with volatility uncertainty complexity and ambiguity you need vision understanding clarity and agility now to start with i absolutely appreciate that it's just throwing a load of buzzwords out there <laughs> however i have found that it is a really great way to um approach differently the sentence of change is constant so why I like it is that, you know, yeah, I've facilitated and I've been to many workshops. I'm like, so change is constant. You need to be adaptable. You need to be flexible. You need to be resilient. So people need a lot of support with what on earth does that mean? For yeah. goodness sake, you know? Um, so when you unpick, you know, these eight buzzwords, 
And then there are peak performance skills and leadership capabilities alongside them. Loads more buzzwords. However, when you get people an opportunity to sort of unpick all of that, understand what it means to them, then they can absolutely face into this idea that change is constant far more easily. They can approach it with optimism. They can actually understand what they can do about it. And they don't just have to sort of sit there and just go, oh my God, you know, what do I do? It gives them lots of tips, tools, techniques, ways, attitudes, skills, capabilities, behaviours to go, ah, right. The world is always going to be a bit full on, a bit mad bonkers, a bit crazy. And I actually can accept that with good grace and I actually know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to face into it, how I am going to thrive in this full on, always on world that we talk about. So that that's why I like it. It's for me, it's a much better way of, you know, actually doing something about this sentence of change is constant, you know, because sometimes people just sort of say, suck it up. And I go, well, that's not really just not really supporting people to be at the best to sort of say just you know okay suck it up change is constant crack on it's like nah that's not that's not going to help people or leaders or humans be at their best yeah that that's that's i love that background there uh russell so, so how then do we ask leaders um in, in most cases we don't even understand the changes that, that we're going through what's happening to us let alone prepare uh you know our teams to, to to move along the right way or you know adapt or, or whatever but what are some ways that we can get ready for change i mean it's, it's not you know the pandemic happened no one had it coming right no one saw it coming and then within you know a couple of months the whole world you know had changed right how yeah. how do we go through i mean that's an extreme case but change happens yeah. all around right we're not we're not sure what's going to happen here in the next hour next next two hours let alone dealing with something as significant as that but are there ways that we can position ourselves um, to be able to deal with change in a much more effective manner than yeah, just so, winging it? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that spring to mind. It's sort of um, essentially everything I do, Fred, and you is the answer to that question. <laughs> but we'll, I'll go with a couple for now. So I'm going to talk about... Uh, I've said optimism a couple of times, so optimism and one of the many additional sort of buzzwords around the worker base is situational awareness. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's start. Um, so step one is that you do need to be engaging with your personal resilience. You know, uh, stating the obvious, I understand and I know I'm biased because of what I do, but it is actually making the decision and the choice to sort of engage with building uh, your resilience because it will just have lots of exponential benefits. So optimism for me is trying to counteract this idea of like toxic positivity. It's like there's a lot going on, you know, just deal with it, be resilient and go away essentially. So optimism is um, grounded in reality. OK, so you absolutely need to be able to get into a place where you can have real quality conversations as a leader of as a, as a team or with your coach or with your peer group or, or your own line manager uh, about actually what's our reality. You know, we need to absolutely have these open and honest and curious conversations about actually what's the size, the scale of the challenge that we are facing. You know, are we clear what it is? Are we not making sure we're not burying our heads in the sand? And you have to do that in a way that doesn't depress you. 
yeah you have to be able to do that in a way that doesn't frighten you too much you know to go actually we have finally had an openness and honest conversation just actually how the state of our business the difficulty that it's in if it is uh but we've we've accepted that with good grace i know it's a sentence i keep saying but that's people listening now need to consider how do i what enables me to accept with good grace so the second thing that you then do is once you've grounded in reality is you then think about yourself and the team that you lead and your peers and colleagues and think about okay so what are my individual and collective strengths skills capabilities behaviors levels of resilience attitude experiences skill sets um and actually as a result of me understanding what i've got and what others have got i am genuinely starting to get feelings of hope that we can face into this and actually ah then those feelings of hope will lead to positivity so it's like the route to positivity is optimism is the way that I would like people to think about it. They're heavily intertwined as words. If you look up the dictionary definition of optimism, it says positivity, you know. But I think it's good uh, because just not often enough are we having good enough quality conversations about the consensus of what's the reality that we are in. And so part of your gaining, um, looking at reality is this thing called situational awareness. So this is like you need to have a habit as leaders and as the team that you lead that um, you're actually talking to each other about the, the things that you've seen and heard that are going on. So it's outward looking. It's the conversations you have. So, it, you know, sometimes I call it sort of networking. But what I mean is just your regular conversations with people across the business or even general stakeholders. And you're just sort of saying, what's going on? What do you know? What have you heard? What's happening? And you bring that back to your team conversations and you literally go around the table. It needs to be an agenda item, essentially, a lot of the time. And it's not about gossip. It's just literally, so who, who's heard what this week or this? Well, since we last met, you know, who's spoken to whom and what's going on? And then within a business, when that's going well, you start to hear about, you know, so Fred, he wow, he works in uh, such and such division. He's telling me about this project that they're doing. And actually, it completely connects with the project that we're doing in our department. Oh, we can help each other out. Or it's like oh, the project that Fred's doing, it, it might it might break our, oh, God, if he does that, it'll break this over here that we're doing. So we need to go and have a chat about that. Um, so optimism, situational awareness. But you can uh, what helps you with these optimistic conversations and being more open and curious is having some really good general underlying levels of inbuilt resilience, essentially. Yeah, that's that's brilliant, Russell. Being positive, right, and, and having that that sense of optimism, I feel like it's 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 critical. What role, if any, does um, vulnerability play in this process? Because as a leader. Mm -hmm. I want to project optimism. I want to be able to assure my team that we're going to be okay. I want to be there. I want to be present. Um, I want to have all the answers. I want to look like I'm a superhero. I want to paint a picture of that. It's all going to be great. No one's going to die. But in the process of that, there is a part of me that feels like, what, what am I doing here? I don't even understand the process yeah. of change. And I'm not even sure what is going to happen, what the end result is going to be. How do I let that humanness um, 
be made visible to my team so they know, oh gosh, he doesn't know all the answers, but we're going through this together. I ask this question because oftentimes the leader is seen as the superhero, right? Or yeah, yeah. right? Totally. You have all the you have all the answers, you know, we're let's go. But sometimes I don't have all the answers, right? And I want to no. show that I don't have all the how do we how do we juxtapose that? How do we how do we find that balance between being that you know leader who leads and want to show or, or, or help us become positive but then also show your, your human side of it without without seeming weak or like you don't know what you're doing totally so there's um as ever there's a couple of things that are floating around my head so uh uh i know you're giving an, an example there of like oh i want to be this the superhero but that for is like well let's actually talk about what's your leadership purpose okay is your leadership purpose to be a superhero and actually uh, what are the benefits in that and what are the consequences and the risks in that? Uh, and for people listening now, or even yourself, Fred, it's like, how comfortable are you standing in, in front of uh, or virtually um, saying to your team a lot of the time, I don't know. I haven't got a clue. No idea. How comfortable are people that are listening now actually doing that is that something uh, yeah, yeah i've got no problem with that or some people listening going oh god I, mm, no i can't oh i can't do that so um you just need to understand how you feel about this idea of to start with saying i don't know and then that does absolutely go uh back to um yeah what do you want your leadership style to be your purpose to be how um um you know what what do you want people to sort of think and feel about you is when they visualize you as a leader? Is this somebody that actually, yeah, I want Russell to solve all my problems for me. That's the type of leader that I expect. Or actually, I just want Russell to engage with me in an open and honest way and together we'll figure it out. It, it, it's it's that. So it's showing vulnerability or it's probably the confidence word. So one of the other dimensions of being resilient is this amazing word, confidence. You know, um, and, you know, our balance of positive and negative thoughts and uh, timing wise, um, my next few blogs are going to be about self-confidence uh, and what it is, because I've got a bit of a thing, me personally, about imposter syndrome. I, I don't personally like labeling people with it. Um, I think I just there's a bit of a theme at the minute because I've been talking as well about neuro myths recently, things that. Uh, yeah. So um, I think we're not helping uh, our leaders enough with some lots of information that's out there about actually how we work as human beings. So be careful of labeling yourself about the imposter syndrome. Um, I think it's just uh, think more about actually how confident you feel or what enables you to feel confident. Um, so self-confidence and self-worth and self-efficacy, all these different things, it's actually uh, look into that. Uh, a little more so what and some people are more naturally energized by this idea of self-confidence and some people aren't however even those individuals that aren't naturally energized by self-confidence it also does not mean that they are an unconfident person it's just that they don't naturally big themselves up okay um and that comes from there's a tool I use called Strength Scope, and you know, talking about people's strengths, things that naturally energizes. And one of the 24 strengths is, is self confidence. So sometimes when I work with clients, their self confidence uh, measure is very small. And I go, right, we need to talk about that. 
so you don't immediately start to think i can't i've got no confidence i'm going that's not what it means you know um so um yeah think about yeah to show your vulnerability you probably need to link it to your self-confidence yeah yeah that that is so true the 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 current environment russell you'd you'd agree or, or maybe disagree um that we live in and work in calls for a a different set of leadership skills than than we did back say maybe in the industrial age where you know yeah command yeah. and control right was was more yeah. the thing how does VUCA impact today's leadership i know we we, we kind of t- touched on that a little bit but you know back in the day you know you just you know you just take it deal with it do it yes boss yes okay let's let's do that but now situational awareness you brought up a while ago um when you when you ask me what kind of leader i am i would tell you i'm a situational leader reason being that one size really never fits all when it comes to leadership yeah. right back contrary to what people believe you know you, you're consistent i'm a you know authoritarian democratic whatever but it, the environment now calls for and it's always been really calls for leaders to be able to flex their leadership skills to be able to thrive especially in this VUCA world agree disagree response to that no so i totally agree so i do appreciate that i'm i'm biased you know and um that life work organizations leadership um you know i'm still like it's all about the people and i also appreciate that i'm biased on that because it's also about the money and the finances and it is also equally about the processes you know so it's about balance you know around those and I I do feel um, that it's even more relevant that anybody that has got line manager, anybody anywhere that's listening now that signs off somebody's holidays, you're a line manager, whether you like it or not. Okay. <laughs> so what that means is you've got to be pretty good at the people stuff. Um, and um, you've got to really understand what your strengths are uh are around the people stuff and what they aren't and just how you're gonna be good enough in those moments you know uh where you need to and people are expecting far more of their leaders as a result of the last few years um there's been an awful lot more conversation about what does it mean to be human you know human leadership um and actually what are uh, individuals expecting from organizations um so I do think organizationally, those businesses that are still trying to be command and control or still trying to say, you know, literally everybody back in the office, regardless, you know, um, you know, crack the whip. You've got to be face to face, you know, um, significant chunks of the of the population are going, um, no, thanks. That's that's not for me. I have seen that there could be an alternative way of doing this. Um so you have to find out more about what your team's value systems are, what their circumstances are, what they want. And then it's a really great conversation about what is or isn't possible. And it's about managing expectations uh, and allowing people to make a choice to go, actually, if you want to work within this organization, this is our culture. There is These are some like you know givens that you have to do. Uh, if you're okay with that, great. If there's some of those that really you know challenge you then you've got a choice to make of like do you leave or do you stay and you do you actually genuinely you you stay and you deal with you deal well you accept with good grace 
those things that um, you're not enjoying about the organization, but there's enough about it for you to feel as though that you can thrive in it. Yeah. What, what challenges do leaders face, especially those who just can't seem to be situational in that approach, right? This is just my style. You take it or leave it. I'm here to do the work. And, you know, we're not here to, to listen to folks and you've got to be, you've got to hold people accountable and, and, and all of that stuff. And, and I have worked with folks like that. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've worked with folks like that. What advice do you have for them? Well, for them, so, um, so interestingly, um, if the organization that they're part of is, is happy mm. with that approach because they are, you know, their line manager, their peers, the organization sees that their department or their function is, is hitting its numbers or doing what it needs to do. And it's curious, those leaders that are a little bit more along the lines of this is me, it's my way or the highway, they haven't got to do anything. Mm. That That's, you know, no, it's like if there's members of the team that are like unhappy or complaining and they go to the line manager and say, things could be different, you know, I'd like you to just adapt a little bit, you know, boss. And if they're sort of going no, uh, and the organisation itself is not going to that individual who's the line manager and saying, actually, we need you to adapt, you know, then they'll do nothing. They don't, they don't need to do anything. So there's a bit of a risk that some people might be listening now to go, well, that's great. That's me. I'd say my way or highway and nobody's telling me off, right. I'm going to just keep going. It's just those individuals at some stage, there's a catalyst moment. Um, and they quite often become coaches clients yep because quite <laughs> you're not in there furiously so it's quite a lot of times they go to a coach because uh because they sort of say i went for a promotion and i didn't got it and that was the mm -hmm. first time ever and the feedback was you're not actually the type of leader that we want within our organization mm -hmm. and nobody's ever told me that before mm -hmm. um everything was fine um uh and or they suddenly get the tap on the shoulder and say oh we've got you a coach and then coach talks to him and says, so why are you here and I, go, I don't know somebody told me that somebody told me i just needed to it was it's like is there something wrong with me and so then the coach has to do there let's do this thing called contracting and let's just discover a little bit more um so yeah so um i suppose to try and answer your question about what should they do if if they are noticing if they've got enough of a self-awareness that's the team aren't aren't really happy so if they've got some empathy, if they, they are noticing, they've got this feeling that actually, do you know what? I think my team's just possibly not as engaged as it could be. Then uh, that's an opportunity to start doing a bit of discovery and maybe tipping their toe in the water to sort of go, uh, maybe I need to go and have a few more chats with my team members to go. So um, give me some feedback uh, and I'm, I'm really going to try and listen to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where the personal development comes in, right? And I feel like the responsibility in organizations to to provide that feedback and not and not allow these things to fester. Because yes, they may they may say, okay, no one's telling me about it, everything is okay, but then there's a price to pay. I believe in the end, the culture is going to become very toxic, attrition rate is going to be very high, and then you know the, there are bigger problems, right? That organizations run to when they choose not to address some of these behaviors. So. I love that feedback. Um, let's sort of wrap things up, Russell, here. Let's mm. talk about 
strengths-based approach in leadership. Let's, I know that's another one of your passions, but what is that? Yeah. Why absolutely. is it important? So I, I use a psychometrical strength scope, which is, and people might be familiar with strengths finder. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 So it's that. So it's, it's about um, helping each individual human and leader generally work out what their natural strengths are, what naturally energizes them. And one of the dimensions of the resilience wheel is this word energy. So, um, and that it really supports people to get into this place that we call thrive. So this, this is why I'm really passionate about it of like, uh, so much through life. Um, most of our educational experiences, we talk about, um, you know, these are the things that you're good at and these are the things that you're not good at. So we're going to get you to, to for your personal development is spending loads of time doing things you're not good at. And the likelihood that you're not good at them is because they don't energize you. So, you know, you feel like you're being punished, you know? So it's the, yeah, it, it's just, so when I talk to a lot of clients and go, right, we've looked at your strengths go profile you've got your significant seven strengths these are the seven things that you are highly naturally energized by and i go right your homework your personal development is to go away and do more of the things that you love doing and most of my clients look at me and go but what really you yeah you want me to go the stuff i enjoy doing you want me to do more of that i go yeah i go what about all these bits here that i'm not so good at and i go for now forget about them okay we'll come back to them later but for now, forget about them. And they just, you can see there's a dance in their step. You know, there's bright eyes, there's enthusiasm, there's excitement, you know. Um, so harnessing your strengths, understanding that those things that don't energize you as much, and then actually understanding that you're going to have to do them, you know, at times. But what strategies are you going to put in place to compensate in those moments so that you're just good enough? in those moments when you need to be, it feels like it's like a release and the shackles are off for an awful lot of, you know, people to sort of go, God, wow, there's these things that I love doing. And my actually my life plan is to do more of the things that I love doing. My God. And playing to your strengths, it builds natural confidence and natural resilience. So all of these things are interconnected. You're nodding away furiously. It's brilliant. I love it. It is brilliant. So I, it is. I, I really resonate with that because you, you're really speaking my language here, Russell. And I, I'll give you a moment to respond. But yeah, it's because we, we've thought otherwise, right? Turn your weaknesses into strengths, right? When we go for reviews. Yeah, we go for reviews. We only hear about the things that you're not doing well. And it's almost like the focus is only on the opportunities, right? And not so much about strengths. So... I'm nodding here. You can't see it, but I'm <laughs> nodding because I'm in total agreement with what you're saying. So, um, yeah, harness your strengths. You build a natural confidence and natural resilience. Um, and, yeah, uh, that enables you to spring forward with learning. So it's all interconnected. It's literally all interconnected. Oh, this is this is so great, Russell. I know we could, we could go on and on and on here, but let's talk a little bit about the work that you do um, with, with people coaching and, and resources and, and how people can reach out to you or, or learn more about, about what you do. We're going to put in the show notes, but just, just talk a little bit about, you know, what you do for the individuals, corporations, whatever. Yes. Thank you. So um, pretty much everything's on the website. So all the W's dot the resilience coach dot co dot UK. Uh, there's a series one of my own podcast on there. I talk all about all aspects of the resilience wheel 
Uh, and yeah, I, I work with individuals and uh, all variety of businesses, you know, public, private, mutual sector, charities. It's just whoever needs some support around actually genuinely understanding what does this word resilience actually mean? You know, it keeps getting banded around brilliantly. It's getting spoken about an awful lot more, uh, which is fabulous. And I really do want to support people to understand that it's about shifting away from just believing that you're only being resilient when you're hanging on by your fingernails. OK, yeah. it's like, actually, how do we shift you away from hanging on by your fingernails? Uh, the, the challenges that you face may be the same, but how you think and feel about them and how you know you're going to face into them, that's what we want to shift. And it just, yeah, it, it's just liberating for a, a, an awful lot of people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, everything's on the website. Uh, all the clients I've worked with, all sorts of different things. So just yeah. go on there. Yeah. I feel like I could answer this question for you, but I will not. I'll let you answer it for yourself because <laughs> I feel like we've been talking about it, but if you could think of a leadership philosophy or, or a leadership tenet or whatever that resonates with you, that's your favorite, that would be our tip, our closing tip. What would that our be? closing and, tip. And why? Leadership philosophy, your favorite, and why? My leadership philosophy, it is, it is the strengths-based approach. It's that, essentially. And I think I might have said the why already, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like you really want to support people to be at their best. Yeah. So... You know, uh, why on earth aren't we doing that literally all day, every day? Yeah, yeah. Russell Harvey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking all things leadership. This was very, very energetic. As you can, as you can tell, we've talked about leadership purpose, finding your why. We've talked about VUCA. We've talked about finding uh, that, that strengths-based approach in your leadership, your role. We've talked about vulnerability. We've talked about situational awareness. Man. There's so much that we've unpacked today and I have benefited a lot and I hope that our listeners um, have benefited a lot. I mean, hopefully this has sparked a little thing inside of you, maybe changed your paradigm or mindset a little bit. That is what All Thanks Leadership is about. So, Russell, thanks again for coming on into you. our audience. Thank you for sticking around and, and supporting and uh, hopefully you found a nugget or two that would help make you a better leader. So until we come your way again next time, with another episode of the All Things Leadership Podcast. This is Fred. Thank you again and see you next time.